should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Tuesday. It's Tuesday, October 4th. I'm Michelle Miao, your host, and every Tuesday, or most Tuesdays, <laughs> my friend John Zipper of the Commonwealth Club is here with us. Welcome, John. Oh, good. Welcome, Michelle. Welcome, everybody, for joining us today. I'm so happy that you're a part of the show, and uh, every Tuesday I look forward to sitting with you and chatting just a little bit, checking in with you about this crazy election. It is crazy. Um... <laughs> Oh, what's interesting, though, I mean, you brought up the debate that is going to happen tonight, and that's the, the vice president pick debate. They've been quiet. The vice presidential candidates? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, I mean, they, they usually are. The vice presidential debate candidates are the ones who are really there for maybe tactical uh, you know, support through the campaign, you know, to bring in a state or two that are important. They're generally not the main, obviously they're not the main uh, thing. Um, this will just be interesting really because Donald Trump, as I think everyone knows, did not have a good debate last week. He had a <laughs> terrible debate. And uh, uh, so it will be, you know, more focus will be on these two than perhaps normal. Certainly for LGBTQ folks, uh, they'll be watching tonight, I think, because Mike Pence, who has a very anti-LGBTQ record in Indiana, um, They'll, uh, you know, we'll see if Tim Kaine needles him on that and, and how he reacts. I honestly, I feel like Tim Kaine is just going to obliterate him and, and send him <laughs> down to blendered mush or something. And, and I only say that because, you know, Tim Kaine can probably respond or he he might even do this, respond in English and Spanish and maybe even Mandarin. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but honestly, on the issues, I feel like Tim Kaine is a much more balanced and uh, experienced politician than Governor Mike Pence, who seems to live in a bubble. Well, figure this. They're both governors. Tim Kaine, as far as I recall, was a popular governor. Uh, Mike Pence actually is very unpopular, and a fair number of folks in the Indiana Republican Party were glad that he was uh, joining the campaign because his his uh, reelection was not going well, um, but and also we saw when Tim Kaine was added to the ticket, we saw he's a good campaigner, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, charismatic. Yeah, charmer. At the same time, smart. Mike Pence is not Donald Trump, so I wouldn't expect a Donald Trump sort of meltdown no. thing tonight. It'll probably be a little wonkier and perhaps a bit more. Um, a bit sharper exchange in the sense that you're you've got two governors who both you know th there's no one neither one of them sees sees the other as you know someone of higher stature they see themselves as equal both going for the same job so it'll, it'll be an interesting thing starts at 6 p.m california time tonight uh 9 p.m eastern 
Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And by the way, John Zipper of Commonwealth Club hosts his own week-to-week political roundtable talk that airs here on the Michelle Miao Show Fridays at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So make sure you tune in for that. And yep. what and else? it's going to be Rob- Robert Reich. This, oh, uh, oh my gosh. It's a great program. Ah, oh, Robert Reich. Oh my gosh. I'm such a huge fan. Yeah. I'm sorry I missed that talk. I really wanted to be there. Um, man, I'll just save it. I'll just, <laughs> that's, that's a good tease there. Well, you brought up LGBTQ rights and Governor Mike Pence um, being, you know, very anti LGBTQ as far as Indiana goes. Well, what about gay voters in this election as far as the presidential? Um, the presidential candidates. And we know, you know, Hillary in terms of her position and her evolution and and how much he's been supportive of the LGBTQ community. But what about conservative um, gay people or voters, I should say, kind of where will their vote go? And most will say Hillary Clinton, but, you know, Donald Trump is doing whatever he can do to sway the vote. And you know, you saw at the Republican National Convention, he had Peter Thiel, billionaire Peter Thiel on the, the platform speaking. Um, and just because he barely uttered the words LGBT, he seems to be, I guess, uh, a self-professed supporter of the LGBTQ community. But let's talk about the gay vote. Um, so let's get today's show started. Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our next guest is on the phone with us, and he is a senior fellow with People for the American Way. He's recently written an article that's featured on The Advocate titled... Trump is trying to turn gays against Muslims. Not sure if that's his title or the advocate just assigned that title, but we'll find out. Let's welcome Peter Montgomery to the program. Peter, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me on. So, yeah, the gay Republicans. <laughs> Let's talk about them and uh, and how, you know, presidential candidate Donald Trump here um, uh, either A, wants them to be a part of, you know, his his. I guess if he's if he if he even wants their vote, or or kind of what your thoughts were in in terms of what they're doing to support him. Well, sure. I think uh, Trump definitely wants their vote. He wants anybody's vote, and uh, so he's had these uh, surrogates, kind of the gays for Trump folks out there, um, trying to uh, give people the message that Trump is is really a friend of LGBT people, and somehow because he choked that out, as you pointed out, <laughs> that that makes him a new kind of Republican. And uh, that drives me crazy, because uh, I think it's ridiculous. And Trump has done everything possible to convince uh, the religious right that he's their man. He's counting on them to have an enthusiastic turnout to put him in the White House. He has promised them a Supreme Court filled with justices like Antonin Scalia, who, as we know, was a big enemy of equality. He picked Mike Pence as his running mate. He's promising to make conservative churches more powerful by doing away with restrictions on politicking by churches. Uh, He let the religious right, right discrimination into the Republican platform. So there's an awful lot of evidence that he is really uh, not a friend of LGBT people. So so the, the next uh, strategy for the gays for Trump crowd and Trump himself is to say, well, 
the real enemy of gay people is our Muslims. And so because I'm anti-Muslim and I have a secret plan to destroy ISIS, gay people should support Trump. And, and so that it was that that uh, provoked my, uh, my, my rant in the form of the Advocate article. <laughs> so, so we've both read your article, but go in a little bit more on the, the Muslim angle on that, because he's got others in the on the conservative movement, including some uh, gay and lesbian uh, conservatives who have been pushing the same line. So flesh it out. What exactly are they saying? Well, yeah, one of the one of the strangest things that I have ever been to was the Gays for Trump party that uh, took place in Cleveland during the Republican National Convention. And there we had um, uh, some some gay Republicans and uh, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, who's this... Um, oh, I hate him. <laughs> you know, self-described cultural provocateur, Breitbart uh, guy who, who, you know, um, likes to see himself as the world's most dangerous faggot. That's his mm-hmm. terminology. Uh, and so he was part of this... Um, Party and their their featured speaker was this uh, Dutch politician, who uh, whose fame comes from being um, stridently anti-Muslim. Thinks uh, the Quran should be banned in Europe. Wants to close down mosques and and basically push Muslims out of out of Europe. And so it was, and and the message from that at that party was, you know, you shouldn't be worried about, um, you know trans people's access to bathroom or marriage equality because the real threat to gay people is ISIS and, and radical Islam. And, um, you know, that same message was this, basically the same message that Newt Gingrich gave the log cabin Republicans at their uh, national dinner just last week. So uh, it seems like that's kind of a concerted, uh, a, a concerted effort um, to use Islam and the, the threat of Islam um, to, to, to win over uh, gay votes for Trump. Do you think he really needs to even do much to try to hold on to them? My, my point actually being, you know, gay Republicans have been with a party through Reagan, both Bushes, <laughs> you know, John McCain, Sarah Palin, you know, Michelle Bachman didn't make their heads explode. I mean, they're not going to jump ship, are they? Well, it's, you know, it's hard to tell. The fact is that Log Cabin has not yet endorsed Trump. They have been sort of very visibly mulling it now for quite a while, and even um, uh, you know that they were. I mean, I was stunned that they had Gingrich as their uh, main speaker at their dinner because he himself has a long anti-gay record. Mm-hmm. Um, but but with all that, they still have not yet endorsed Trump. So I think there are plenty of you know one of the things that's happened in this election is. There are a number of normally Republican voting conservatives oh, yeah. who find Trump offensive and awful, and I would hope that um, a number of of normally Republican voting LGBT people would think the same thing. And I think, you know, it's really worth continuing to point out to those folks just how much Trump has promised the religious right. And you know, none of those things that he has promised them. If he has the actual power to do it, none of those is going to be any is going to do any good for any LGBT person. You know, the uh, filling the Supreme Court with anti-equality people, uh, creating more political power for the religious right, um, having Mike Pence uh, running domestic policy for the administration out of the White House, 
uh, you know, those are none of those are good things. So when we talk about gay Republicans, I mean, do we have any sense of how many we're talking about? I mean, 13, 7 million? I mean, I don't really know. I think I've seen I've seen estimates in the past that in past presidential elections, the number of uh, self-identified LGBT people who voted Republican is in the 20 percent range. What? Uh, so, you know, and, and you know, I think uh, we're not. Do you think they were voting ironically? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, I think I think that there are, um, you know, LGBT people are all kinds of people, and some of those kinds of people are, uh, you know, wealthy white guys who might be concerned about how much taxes they pay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they might be people like Peter Thiel, who's a business owner, who thinks that, you know, anybody who tries to regulate rich people um, is destroying democracy. Uh, so, you know, Here, here's as, as we all know in our personal lives, not every LGBT person is a stellar person. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and we could say that about just about you know anybody here in this country exactly. or the world. But um, you know, Peter, Mike, I mean, I'm just a little confused here. But uh, it's not like Hillary Clinton is on this crusade as Bernie Sanders was, you know, to really revolutionize and crush corporate banks and, and kind of where, you know, uh, corporations stand here in this country. And so my guess is, even if you're LGBT, why vote for the guy, you know, whose running mate had had uh, tried to pass a law that discriminates LGBTQ people, um, and he himself being anti-LGBT, than the woman that probably is going to be favorable to you with money kept into your pockets as a wealthy white gay man uh, well, at the same time LGBTQ supportive. Yeah, I mean, I, I am I am totally with you. You know, personally, one of the things that so offends me about the, the idea that if you're against uh, Islamic terrorism that you need to vote for Trump, that suggests that somehow Hillary Clinton is has a soft spot for terrorists. And that somehow, because uh, her husband's foundation took money from countries like Saudi Arabia, that that's somehow going to make her not an advocate for LGBT rights, when the, the reality is there has been a tremendous progress made at the United Nations uh, and around the world during the Obama administration with Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. The U.S. became, for the first time, a really vocal advocate for the human rights of LGBT people around the world. You know, people who live in countries where it still uh, can get you thrown in jail or killed for being gay, Mm -hmm. you know, they take hope and inspiration from the fact that Hillary Clinton spoke at the Human Rights Council in 2011 and made a speech that said, gay rights are human rights. That was really important, and the advocacy that the Obama administration has done is really important. So the idea that people say somehow the fact that uh, Saudi Arabia gave some money to the Clinton administration to the Clinton Foundation means that you can't trust her to advocate for us is totally flies in the face of reality. And so I really I, I see that there's there's this just reality denying that's going on generally among uh, Trump supporters, but certainly among 
gay Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. And the other piece of that is that the religious right folks that Trump is rallying around and embracing in every way he can, they are at the U.N. fighting all those good things. They are that one of the guys, Austin Ruse, who was recently named to Trump's Catholic advisory group, his whole life spent at the U.N. fighting women's access to abortion and fighting any recognition in international law or international agreements of the rights of LGBT people. And because there's been progress at the U.N. in recent years, there's now also growing resistance from people who resent that progress, from some of the Islamic countries, from Mm -hmm. some of the anti-gay African countries, from the Vatican. And Austin Ruse, Donald Trump's Catholic advisor, has helped start new groups at the U.N., specifically working with countries that are, you know, talk about religious liberty. These are freedom-crushing countries that he's working with because they're all going to promote so-called traditional values when it comes to families and LGBT people. And I Mm -hmm. think that's appalling. And I think any, I don't know how any uh, person can look at that and think that they can look at Donald Trump as their friend. Right. Peter, uh, thanks so much. We're going to take a quick break right here. But when we come back, I want to continue our discussion. I want to bring up, um, you know, Hillary Clinton's uh, gay campaign manager, Robbie Mook. I also want to continue talking about the gay (laughs) Republicans and how they're going to vote. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Peter Montgomery. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Hey, it's Michelle Miao. It's hard these days not to get a question about when I'm getting married or when I'm having kids. I get it. Marriage equality is legal now. I'm in my 30s and in a committed relationship. Marriage may not have a time limit, but what about having kids? I have a lot I want to accomplish before growing my family, like becoming the next Oprah. If I want to wait, what are my options? Join myself and our partner Pacific Fertility Center for a free seminar on egg freezing November 3rd from 6 to 8 p.m. Register at PacificFertilityCenter.com. Space is limited, so register now. That's PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community.
And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Tuesday, October 4th. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. John Spur of Commonwealth Club is in studio with us. And on the phone as our special guest is Peter Montgomery, who's a senior fellow at uh, People for the American Way. And we're having a discussion about uh, the LGBT vote. I guess I should say the Republican or conservative LGBT vote and how Trump is trying to turn gays against Muslims. Um, You know, Peter, right before the break, I mentioned I I wanted to bring up uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, who is uh, an out gay man, Robbie Mook. Um, You know, is this even an issue or, or something that Robbie should be paying attention to uh, as far as trying to speak to the LGBTQ conservatives, and, and d- does their vote even matter? If, I mean, I think that if you're drinking the Trump Kool Aid by now, I mean, there's there's no return for you. You know that 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 might be true. I think anyone who at this late uh, in the game who is in Trump's camp knows who he is, and they've made whatever rationalizations they're going to make. But you know, there I'm sure there are still some people out there on the fence. Uh, I'm always amazed, you know, that there are people um, when we have these very clear uh, differences, but there there are people who really um, take their time in deciding who to vote for. So I, I think Robbie Mook has a, a lot of big picture things to take care of, and I, I think he's taking care of them. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's maybe up to uh, others of us who uh, have friends, maybe who are in this <laughs> camp, uh, friends and family members who... Uh, who we can talk to and and try to um, to point out some of the things that we're talking about today. You know, one of the one of the things that I think people don't know, just a a data point that most people don't know, including most gay people don't know, is that American Muslims are actually far more supportive of marriage equality than white evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And I think people are surprised by that. And I think it's important for folks to know that, that, that um, the Public Religion Research Institute, which is a, a really uh, respected uh, group in D.C. that does some of the most important polling on religion and politics and, and really does massive polls so they can understand, uh, you know, small groups, small subgroups of, of religious groups like Muslims. Um, when they uh, polled a year or two ago, they found that uh, only 28% of white evangelical Christians were supporting marriage equality, but 42% of American Muslims were. So that's um, that also flies in the face against this idea that uh, Trump and his, his gay supporters are saying um, that gay people should vote for Trump because he, he doesn't like Muslims and he's going to you know, target them. You know, we've, we've been talking this about this as, as in frames in the sense of him uh, this message going to gay conservatives. Um, but is it possible that just as when Donald Trump went and spoke in a, an African-American church, his audience really wasn't the African-American uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the pews. It was white suburban Republicans who kind of wanted to be reassured that they weren't racist for voting for Donald Trump. Um, is some of this perhaps a play to go after, in other words, not just uh, conservative Republican uh, gays, but you know millennials who hate Hillary Clinton? Well, I think that's a really good question. I think some of it might be for millennials who hate Hillary Clinton. Some of it is for, you know, Republican women who tend to be more moderate and um, who aren't 
who are really uncomfortable with you know gay bashing rhetorics that comes sometimes from the right, and Trump has for the most part personally avoided a lot of that gay bashing rhetoric, and so mm-hmm. I think that is an effort to um, to make moderate Republicans feel more uh, comfortable about voting for him. Um, but you know the there's at least within the networks of of uh, you know Go Proud and Log Cabin and and folks like that. You know, there's clearly an effort to to reach the gay Republicans. You know, in 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 places, um, you know, gay gays are not uh, a huge uh, percentage of the electorate. Mm-hmm. But when we have uh, really close elections in some states, every vote counts. Right, right. Uh, uh, John, you had something to say. I was just gonna, going to say that uh, uh, Michelle mentioned you're uh, with the People for the American Way, which is a, a I think it started in the 1980s by Norman Lear and others. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Donald Trump wins, what's your exit plan? What country are you going to? <laughs> do you already have a safe house set up? What, what, what's your plan? Well, it's funny. You know, there's, there is certainly that temptation to think, hmm, do I go Canada? Do I go Costa Rica? What do I do? But uh, I think if, if Donald Trump wins, it's going to be more important than ever for uh, people who really believe in constitutional values and to, to stay and fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it'll it would it'll be a very scary ride if he has the power of the White House, and you look at the scary people who are on television being his surrogates, Rudy Giuliani, and that crowd, and you think of them sitting in the cabinet and wielding the power of the White House, and it's pretty terrifying. And I think there will be a uh, really it'll be really important uh, for us. To massively organize if that happens, and I'm really hoping it doesn't. I I I've been thinking a lot lately about um, you know I don't know if you've been following the news with uh, the Philippines president uh, uh, Duterte. If I'm pronouncing yeah, correctly. very scary. Yeah, I mean uh, uh, you know uh, obviously we saw the Brexit exit uh, in in the UK. Um, what do you think? I mean, will this uh, Democrats who and progressives who are sitting around saying okay we need to get through this election? But Trumpism, or that 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 uh, urge to to get someone in there who's just going to blow everything up because they hate the way it is now or the way things are going, um, that do you do you think that will recede after 2016, or do you think that's n- kind of the new normal for a while until a certain generation ages out of earthly well, I, existence? I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere because it it didn't come out just with Trump. You know, right. the, the path for Trump has been paved by you know, at least a decade of, of right-wing media and, um, you know, sort of inflaming this, the whole Tea Party grew out of that, the, you know, the fact that um, Trump has really now opened the door that we have white nationalists kind of openly uh, taking their place in American politics, you know, voices that we had, had, had been very marginalized, that now there's, you know, white supremacists and white nationalists campaigning for Trump and supporting him, that genie doesn't just go back in the bottle um, uh, if he loses, so that we're all going to have a lot of work to do. But I think that, um, you know, I think the support for Bernie Sanders' campaign and some of the support for Trump's campaign uh, should be a wake-up call for the political establishment about um, the real frustration of people who have been left out. Uh, by economic changes, and that I I think that if there is some really smart 
uh, grappling with those questions and dealing with some of the uh, economic dislocation that Trump has exploited, that there it, it may be possible to um, you know to minimize the opportunity for this kind of right wing demagoguery that takes that frustration and pain mm-hmm. and turns it into hatred for immigrants. You know that takes that um, real pain and turns it into um, far uglier things. And and I think that uh, I'm hoping that the smart that smart people within um, the Clinton camp and within uh, the leadership of both parties are giving that a lot of thought. Yeah, I suspect uh, people are starting to pay attention now who hadn't been you know in the trenches. More people outside of kind of just the hardcore committed mm-hmm. on the left are starting to pay attention to the alt right, to mm-hmm. the Breitbart's, and all of this, because trying to both decipher them and see where this is going and, and kind of understand the current there. Uh, here's my thing. I feel like the smarter. <laughs> now let me reverse that. I feel like the less educated or intelligent or informed you are, um, the more chances you you get in in terms of like having a platform to speak to people and, and the more believable you become. And I think that that's what people have to understand about folks like Milo uh, Yiannopoulos, uh, the gay conservative guy from Breitbart, and that it, it, it's like beyond even if he makes sense on an issue or if he actually even believes himself when he's talking about terrorism or when he's talking about, you know, bashing Hillary or what. I mean, he's sexist. He's racist. He's all these things that I think it's just entertainment for him. And the sad part is that tons of people tune in or, or, you know, become his fan and believe him. That's so scary to me. Yeah, I think he really, he's a performer. I mean, I saw him in in Cleveland at a couple different events, and he kind of has the same shtick where he'd come up to the microphone with his, uh, um, bulletproof vest on because he's so threatened by the you know angry left, <laughs> and then he'd like three, theatrically take it off to show how brave he is. I mean, he's got a shtick, and and uh, you know I think that there's a lot of people on the right who have a shtick and who figured out that um, if they play to that, you know, ten or twenty percent of people who spend their days. Um, watching Fox News and consumed by right-wing media and getting steeped in all this conspiracy theory stuff, you know, they can have a pretty nice life. Ann Coulter can write the same liberal-hating book every year, knowing that X number of people will buy it um, and that she'll get uh, to make the rounds on right-wing media and spouting her own, uh, you know, racist, ugly stuff. And and so I think for some of these folks it is a performance and it's a... It's just a, it's a way to, to, you know, be rich and famous in, in America without really caring about the consequences of what they're doing to our political discourse. And I think that Trump is maybe the, the granddaddy of all those. You know, he is a performer. I think he sees this, he's running this campaign as a performance, but, you know, he's honed those skills as a showman and a con man over many years. And he doesn't really give a damn about how much damage it's doing uh, to the country in the process. Peter, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning and uh, for your article. I thought that that was great, and it's featured right there in The Advocate, so hopefully 
um, all those gay Republicans are reading it. <laughs> Thanks very much for the chance to talk to you. Peter Montgomery, he's a senior fellow with People for the American Way. I'm sure you can follow him on Twitter and all that good stuff. Don't go away. When we come back, we'll discuss butch identities with a famous photographer right here in San Francisco. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Chuck Spence. I'm the owner of the Maui Sunseeker LGBT Resort, and I'm also vice president of Maui Pride. It's not just the only LGBT resort in Maui, it's the only LGBT resort in all of Hawaii, which is really kind of amazing. Maui Sunseeker actually started years and years before I even got involved. I came along as one of the owners a little bit later in, in life. I came to Maui back in 1978 and absolutely loved the island. I fell in love and I thought, this is where I want to live, this is where I want to be. And so from 1978 until 2008, I finally came alive with the dream and bought the Maui Sunseeker because I realized that this would be the next step in my life and um, thought that this would be an ideal situation because I could do something that, that was my own business rather than making money for other people. It's important to have a place where you know you can feel comfortable about yourself, you can feel loved, and you can feel welcomed by everybody. And I think that that's the ambiance that we try to create. And, and that's the message that, that we try to deliver in all of our ads and trying to bring people to Maui, is that you know we're not just an experience on Maui, we're an experience of Maui. When you think back years ago, how closeted we used to be, and you think about how suppressed we were back then to how open and accepting we are now. And, and it's, it's a good progression for society. It's good that people are, are not just you know, tolerating, but appreciating diversity. And that's the message, is that we really need to make sure that, that people appreciate diversity. I think that whoever you are, follow your passion. Follow what you believe in. Follow whether it leads you down the path of art or whether it leads you down a path of business or you know, some other aspect of internet creativity. Um, follow that and, and just be passionate about what you do. Spotlight on success and achievement is brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me here today, Tuesday, October 4th. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. Just had a fascinating discussion about gay Republicans and very dangerous gay Republicans like Milo, Milo, Yanopoulos. I, I don't even know how to say his name. So wait, why did you invite him to be your co-host on Thursdays? I don't understand it. <laughs> you have really strong feelings. I hope you don't talk about me like this one of these when I'm not here. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to give him more you know, airtime because this guy doesn't deserve it. I mean, he, we don't, we shouldn't even be talking about him because then, you, you know, you'll go and you'll Google him and then you'll read and hear all the crazy things he says and then you'll want to jump in on the conversation it just elevates his platform he gets more clicks he gets more attention that's what he's he he likes that's what he starves for 
uh, and most of these guys, in my opinion, like every sociopath out there, I mean, <laughs> the more attention they get, it's like they crave that. They love it. They like love it. They're they get you know what's the word? They get turned on by it or something. Well, perhaps, but certainly their their entire well their business is based on them poking you, and then when you get upset, they they claim victimhood that you're mm-hmm. upset at them. Right? Now, if you're tuning in and you don't know who uh, this guy is that I'm talking about, do you know if it's Milo or Milo? M-I-L-O? I don't care. I don't care either. <laughs> I think it's Milo. I, I didn't mean Yanopoulos. It. Yeah, he, I, I wouldn't have known how to pronounce either part of his name. Um, he, he, uh, he's the guy who got banned from Twitter by trolling Leslie Jones, the actress, the SNL actress, um, who's also in the Ghostbusters mo- movie. And right. his tweet was racist. It was sexist. Um, it was misogyny. I mean, it was just, yeah, he grosses me out. But yeah, I, I, I think I, uh, Peter Montgomery, our first guest, made that point well of kind of the mainstreaming that Trump has done with, with racists and, and, you know, white nationalists and, and such. Um, because, you know, we're so used to people tweeting something or saying something and you're like, did they really mean that? That sounded racist. And then they <laughs> talk their way out of it. And you're like, maybe they stumbled into it. You don't know. You know, you can only guess. And then there are people like him who just wear it as a badge. It's like, yes, what? he tru- what? Yeah, truly, truly does. Well, let's stop talking about gross uh, gay Republicans <laughs> who are horrible for our community and talk about awesome ones, uh, you know, uh, queer people in our community who are doing great things to uplift us, empower us, give us visibility. So I'll introduce our next guest, Meg Allen. Uh, is a famous photographer here in San Francisco and has a book out called Butch that was released just this year. Meg, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, I'm very excited to speak to you. I was looking through um, the images uh, on your website, and I got excited because I knew a few people. And then, uh, you know, and then was excited that there actually is a book out there devoted uh, or dedicated to Butch Identities. Um, what inspired you to put this together? Um, quick thing, the book is actually not out yet. I'm actually still looking for a publisher um, and still finishing up my project and sort of developing an introduction for it. Um, but uh, what made me start this project is um, uh, just kind of wanting to see the butch image out in the world. I think there, you know, there just there still isn't as much as I'd like to see. When I was younger, I never had any sort of idols or, like, fashion magazines to look to for sort of, like, a butch identity. So um, I think it's always been something that I just, I just, for my own self, I just wanted to see, like, a plethora of butch images out in the world. And so I just decided to create it. (laughs) I think one of the neatest things is we're talking plural identities, you know, different ways of expressing this. So if you were explaining this to someone who doesn't know anything about it, they're they're a white straight insurance guy from Kansas City, but, he, but he's open-minded. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> how would you describe this, both the, the book and the project, but also, I mean, what you're getting at with it? I think I would tell him that, um, you know, as many varieties of men as there are, there are mm. that many varieties of butch. And, um, you know, I, I think a butch woman is just another version of a woman. And, um, you know, just like, you know, you don't just because you say, oh, this guy's a man doesn't mean you know everything about him. I mean, there are certain traits that you could pick out um, 
sometimes masculine, sometimes not. And I think the same applies for women. And I think there's been always just like a couple versions of Bush women on TV um, and in the media so that, you know, you think you, you know, that, that that's what it is. And I think it's so much more nuanced and varied. And, um, you know, some of my, uh, some of the people that I looked up to, like, I don't know, the ones I can think of are, um, <laughs> like Katie Lang mm-hmm. and, um, uh, the woman who plays Big Boo on Orange is the New Black. She's been out forever and she's been a butch yeah. psych forever. Leah Delaria. Um, Leah Delaria. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry, Leah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I think there's like, you know, it's like that's one way to do it. And I think, you know, as as, as many varieties of like um, women as there are, like you don't just look at, you know, like Julia Roberts and try to be like her. Like you, maybe you like Julia Roberts' hair, but you like, I don't know, the way another mm-hmm celebrity does their makeup and so you just you're looking for different pieces to kind of push yourself together kind of things that you identify with and um you know but just not one thing just as like a lesbian is not one thing right I love it I love the message and I think it's so timely hopefully and thanks for the clarification in terms of the when when the book is coming out and uh, and uh uh, I mean, I hope everybody supports this project and getting you a publisher and getting it out there in the world, especially right now, you know, the, the disappearance of butch identities and even lesbian spaces, uh, queer spaces in, you know, a city like San Francisco and now in Oakland. Um, I wanted to pick your brain and kind of your feelings about that. And, you know, you're holding space for the identities uh, through a digital project and or, photographer, or from a photographer's point of view. But how has the disappearance or the decreasing space for queer women, um, how has that impacted you? I think that the, that subject actually is incredibly interesting and nuanced it's- itself um i think the idea that like lesbian spaces are disappearing i mean it's definitely a true one um and prior to that you know there was people like i feel like mostly lesbian in the lesbian community being like oh there's the disappearance of the butch i think actually neither of those things are true Hmm. i think that um times have changed i think that um um what i what appears to be happening to me is is that the environment and um, uh, just the the social climate has changed mm-hmm. around gay people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that as far as lesbian spaces go, I think the reason why we've been able to have so many lesbian spaces up until recently is because you know lesbians and gay men, you know the entire LGBT group, um, ha- have needed to have them. Like, they, you can't just go to a straight bar. You, there's a lot of hate crimes, and, you know, previously straight people didn't want to hang out with us. <laughs> um, and I think that's the biggest change, that, you know, for some place like the Lexington Club, which closed, um, God, it had been almost two years ago, mm-hmm. maybe a year ago, um, you have a lot of more straight people going there because they're like, this is an awesome bar. There's a ton of lesbians, and like it's a different environment to hang around. 
And, you know, that's awesome and also not awesome at the same time because, you know, like, I think lesbians, it's like, you know, it's, it's going out to a bar is sort of like a, a mating ritual, right? I mean, you're going to hang out, but you're also going to cruise and, like, look for women yeah. that you want to date. You know, and so if there's like a bunch of straight people, all of a sudden you have a bunch of men who you're not wanting to date and a bunch of women who don't want to date you. <laughs> so I think it becomes complicated, right? Because you, it's, I think, you know, I, I'm 38. And so I was around pre Ellen DeGeneres coming out and remembering when, you know, like to say the word lesbian was just like loaded up with so many like, ew, like I don't want to be next to that person, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. To now where it's like, you know, there's this thing of sort of like femme chic and lesbian chic and like all this gender bending thing in the fashion industry that is very glamorous and like, and so all of a sudden now, you know, I can go to any bar I want to and I not only do I not feel persecuted, but nobody cares that I'm there. It's like, I'm just a regular person. I don't get stared at funny, which I used to, you know? Like now, even in in airports in, I don't know, God, the most recent, I was in Chile recently, and it's just like, nobody cares. Nobody's staring at you. You know, occasionally people are like trying to figure out, I, 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 I myself identify as butch, so, you know, I look very masculine, and occasionally people will stare at you because they're trying to figure out your gender, and that's, that's like a big deal, I think, in all of the world and society, like you try to figure out somebody's gender i don't know why it just is um and and nobody cares anymore so it's almost like as a lesbian now as a gay person you can go anywhere which i don't think you had the liberty to do before and i think that you know when people are like oh these spaces are disappearing they are and they're also just um merging into the rest of the world because we are people and this is actually what we wanted you know as a gay population we wanted inclusivity we wanted to have the same rights and we wanted to be looked like like everybody else and i think it's a double-edged sword because i think we also started to love our segregated places um and you know there is a lot of sadness around the fact that like you can't just go into like an all lesbian bar right now. I mean, they still exist, but it's like everybody can go to them. It's, it's not a big deal. I, I suspect, um, I suspect so, you've probably gotten some pushback from some folks when you've talked this way in the past. I mean, it's for a lot of folks that would be kind of controversial. They still feel they need the, the safe space, and, and you yes. know, they, they point to things like the Orlando thing and saying, well, hey, you know, it's not all normal for us. Well, no, for sure, for sure. And I live, I am from San Francisco. I've lived here my whole life, and so I definitely live in this bubble yeah. of <laughs> um, progressive acceptance and, like, left-leaning with almost everything. Yeah. Um, and so that is a really good point. I think, um, you know, even my project, I feel like a lot of people have seen my project, and it's like, oh, you know, yeah, it's like a photo project and whatever, but, like, it affects people more in um, the central United States uh, than it does. Here. I've, I continue to get emails from people thanking me for putting this work out and how that they don't have like a butch community or a gay community and I'm part of me is like what do you mean you don't have that <laughs> like, it's everywhere now but maybe you know obviously it's not everywhere and it's not fully accepted everywhere but you know we just had a queer fashion show uh, this past week in Oakland and it's just like not only is it accepted but it's like heavily glamorized and there's like a huge variety now of um like clothing and looks and I mean language around it that that I never had when right. I was you know a teenager. Okay, so I've got to ask: Can you be a straight butch woman? A straight? I mean, I, I, 
I mean, you can I be a so. feminine acting man. I think you can be just about anything. Yeah. I yeah. love the mindset that, that whatever you want to identify as, you can. Um, right. I right. think that there, I think that, you know, like definitely Butch uh, allows for a place of masculinity within mm-hmm. women. And I think that's still a big deal um, to let our men be feminine and our women be masculine and not have it um, indicate a value mm-hmm. of how womanly they are or how manly they are. Great I think point. that's like, that's a gr- that's a huge step. I think that I've seen the younger generation, like kids in their, in their teens now, um, they're a lot more willing and open and okay with being masculine, more masculine or feminine and like kind of trying on these, um, attributes and, you know, they are attributes. It's like, you know, men don't have to be masculine, right. nor should they be. And women don't have to be ultra feminine, nor should they be. Um, yeah, it's just I, such a I, weird, I, weird thing. I'm very proud to announce that I'm a proud bottom butch. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, Meg, yeah, thank I you. Mean, thank you so much for your work and, and your project and, and for you. I think this is just so amazing. Thanks for spending some time with us. Absolutely. Everyone, please support Meg's work, um, just like we had an uh, incredible time, an enjoyable time talking about identities and how, you know, it helps us all just relax a little bit. It doesn't matter what somebody looks like or how they want to identify. Um, that's why her project is important. So head to MegAllenStudio.com. Don't go away. When we come back, John Zipper and I share our final thoughts. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Hey, it's Michelle Miao. It's hard these days not to get a question about when I'm getting married or when I'm having kids. I get it. Marriage equality is legal now. I'm in my 30s and in a committed relationship. Marriage may not have a time limit, but what about having kids? I have a lot I want to accomplish before growing my family, like becoming the next Oprah. If I want to wait, what are my options? Join myself and our partner Pacific Fertility Center for a free seminar on egg freezing November 3rd from 6 to 8 p.m. Register at PacificFertilityCenter.com. Space is limited, so register now. That's PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Sines, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale.com. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. (laughs) 
And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks again for joining me here on this Tuesday, I guess, afternoon or evening for some of you. <laughs> this, is this, short. this program is timeless. <laughs> uh, can you believe it that it's already October, John? Oh, thank God. Let this year end. I know. I, I am looking forward to 2016 ending. I announced yesterday, just because I do treat the show from time to time as if it's my diary or that no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I shared, I aired my dirty laundry. I'm now single. Um, you know, I'm okay with it. I made a very mature adult decision. We both did. We're going to stay good friends. Good. I'm very happy for that. You know? It could have it been messy. You have to know what's right for you, and you both have to know what's right for both of you. Right. Yeah. Um, it could have been, you know, Brangelina situation. It was not. We don't have six children. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I don't know. I, they might have more. I think they lose count. Y- yeah. Yeah. They might even, you know what? They might even be adding more children even through their divorce <laughs> process. <laughs> and who's going to get the future kids? <laughs> They're having some hate sex. Yes. Um, we had a great show today. Uh, the first half, we talked about how Trump may be using uh, the gay conservatives, or well, I guess turning the gay conservatives against Muslims uh, by using the whole uh, terrorist platform. Yeah. Um, and uh, Peter Montgomery did a great job kind of breaking that down for us. And Peter Montgomery is the, uh, uh, he's with People for the American Way. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of like to sum up that conversation, I think, you know, anybody who has already declared that they're going to vote for Trump, you know, there's no turning back for them. And those guys are probably not in your inner circle anyway, or they're not even people who have done things like fight for marriage equality or, you know, given up a significant amount of their time, energy and money for social causes. In my opinion, they might just be dudes that love themselves well as peter montgomery pointed out log cabin republicans haven't endorsed trump so mm-hmm. um you know whether that's a decision they they they've definitively made not to endorse or they're still holding out hoping they get some goodies from trump and then they're still going i don't know mm-hmm. um but uh you know i'd actually love to hear from some conservative republicans who how are you making that choice what what are your priorities in voting mm-hmm. you know is it because obviously there are going to be very religious right gays, conservatives as well. Well, we had, you know, Jimmy LaSalvia on, who is one of the founders of Go Proud. That was, And Go Proud is one of the uh, gay conservative organizations. He left that organization, um, still considers himself conservative, uh, but is has declared that he's voting for Hillary Clinton. So again, I mean, you know, I go back to look— Lots of progressive radical liberals look at Hillary Clinton as if she is a Republican in you know a Democrat's suit anyway. Um, if you want to talk about you know mm-hmm. her position on economic policies and blah 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 blah, whatever reasons that you might think that she's more of a, a it's true she is not a, a liberal conservative or whatever you want to call it. Um, so to me. It, the only reason why you would vote for someone like Donald Trump is because you want to, you want you want to you know make somebody angry. Well, you know, I, I said earlier, you know, uh, is this even really the audience perhaps for this outreach? Is it perhaps uh, you know disaffected uh, uh, millennial voters who you know have 
believe the the hype of, against Hillary for so long. Um, I wonder how many of those, say, the log cabin Republicans who can't bring themselves to vote for Trump will vote for Hillary or will vote for Gary Johnson uh-huh. or Jill Stein. Mm-hmm. Probably not Jill Stein, though even, uh, I don't know if you saw Ron Paul, the libertarian uh, Republican former presidential candidate, uh, says he actually is closer to Jill Stein on, on right. many things than with uh, Gary Johnson. So um, they have actually four or more choices, depending how big the ballot is in your state. Um, and it will be interesting. I, I suspect the gay Republican vote is not huge. That's not one that CNN will be tracking all night long <laughs> on November 8th. You know, they're going to be looking at Hispanics and, and you know, and uh, African-American turnout in the South and things like that. Well, the reason why I wanted to have this this discussion, it's not to 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 just have a fluff discussion about you oh, know that, gay Republicans and Donald Trump, <laughs> um, but that I I it it's disturbing to me that it does exist, and I will be the first to say that you know there are some gay people who don't speak for me at all, and and you know and I think that sometimes people think oh just because you're LGBT and you're all grouped into one group that we all kind of, you know, vote one way or think one way or support each other. As We're Meg all Allen pointed people. out, we don't even dress the same. We don't even dress the same. Exactly. And we like different things. Um, so uh, the other side of it is I would like to call out, you know, uh, who people that I think are hypocrites and, uh, you know, attention whores. Or I shouldn't use that word. Um, attention ladies of the evening. <laughs> obsessed with attention like you know like milo and and that they don't deserve your attention at all uh what scares me after watching a video of his he was doing some fat shaming stuff um body shaming stuff um you know that college kids were like that's right you know large people the, the liberals are policing how we are freedom of speech we should be able to call uh you know plus size people fat and it's just like nails on a that's what the American board. Revolution was fought for, yeah. is the ability to be a jerk. Anyway, so uh, John Zipper hosts his show, uh, his uh, week-to-week political roundtable talk, Fridays, 4 o'clock here on the show. Um, do you know who's coming up this Friday? Robert Reich. That's right. And you I mentioned hope, that. I hope we've got in here the story of when he dated Hillary Clinton. Really? Listen this Friday. <laughs> what a great teaser. Make sure you tune in for John's show Friday at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time. For everything else, you can head to michellemeow.com. Thanks again for joining us here on the program. Um, have a great evening.